Hey besties, welcome to the Living Your Most Badass Life podcast, where our mission is to transform your life and help you become the most phenomenal woman you're meant to be. I'm Brianna, the founder of the Badass Book Besties, where we encourage a conversation around a love of books and learning so that you can make new friends and expand your thinking. I'm a lover of books, beers, traveling, and motivating women to live their dream life. Each week on this podcast, you'll be motivated and empowered to make positive changes in your life through intellectual conversations and interviews, how-to ideas, and insight from a variety of books. We celebrate the incredible and simple accomplishments women make every day. To be a badass woman means to be awesome, impressive, and worthy of admiration. So my goal is to help you see your true worth and build your self-confidence. If you're someone who wishes to be inspired by other women doing extraordinary things and want to be encouraged to live your most badass life, then this is the podcast for you. Hello there, badass soul sister. Welcome to another episode of the Living Your Most Badass Life podcast, where we inspire and encourage women to live their most badass lives. In today's episode, you're going to hear all about The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. This book is all about breaking free from the things that hold us back and finding true happiness and success. In this book, Hendricks talks about something called the upper limit problem. It's basically the barriers we create for ourselves that keep us from reaching our full potential. Now, these barriers are often based on fear, self-doubt, and staying in our comfort zones. He helps us to identify our unique talents and passions and gives us practical tools to overcome these barriers. By doing so, we can live a life that's filled with joy, purpose, and abundance. It's all about taking that big step and embracing our true potential. So if you're ready to experience a true transformation and overcome your self-imposed limitations and achieve true personal and professional fulfillment, take a listen to this. I will provide you with an audio summary I recorded for my Badass Book Besties members so you have a deeper understanding of the novel and start the process of changing your life. Take a listen. Today, we're going to be talking all about The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. In this book, he is going to be talking to us about an upper limit problem that everyone has, and we have to work hard in order to overcome it, because our upper limit is going to stop us from achieving our true potential. If you go past the limit in your mind of how much you think you can handle or how many positive feelings you think you can handle, your mind and your body is going to take you back to a place that feels more familiar. So for example, I have a limited tolerance for feeling good. When I hit my upper limit, I manufacture thoughts that make me feel bad. And he provides multiple examples of how people do this and why it's so essential to stop yourself from being limited by your upper limit. Now in chapter one, he prepares you for your big leap. And this is the one problem and how to solve it. He says, in the face of so much evidence that life hurts and is fraught with adversity on all fronts, having a willingness to feel good and have life go well all the time is a genuinely radical act. It's not the way that some people believe life to be. They think there always has to be some problem with life. So he starts off with saying, are you ready to take that big leap to your ultimate level of success? Are you ready to have all of the money, success, love, all of it in your life? If so, then you've got to break through that upper limit. And so he says, make a commitment. 
and take that first step to transform your fear into exhilaration and feel like you can celebrate the hell out of it. Because each of us has this inner thermostat that determines how much love, success, creativity that we have and how much we're allowed to enjoy. And when we exceed that inner thermostat setting, we are going to take measures to self-sabotage ourselves, which we don't want to, but it's that upper limit in our mind that creates that. And it drops back us into that old familiar zone where we're going to feel secure. So instead, focus fully on what feels good right now and then give all your attention to those positive feelings. Instead of waiting to feel good and have all the money that you need and want, make your current money supply how much you need and feel positive about it. And I think this goes back to the idea of gratitude. Like once you start feeling grateful about the things in your life, you will receive more abundance. And multiple authors have talked about this. Like in the You Are a Badass, you know, Jen Sincero talks about how you have to be present in the moment and realize that you have everything that you desire. And when you do that, the universe is then gonna go, okay, I got you and then provide more abundance. So he talks about how some people might be unwilling to handle a high level of success because they're just not sure about it. They feel insecure about moving up to that level of success because they've never been there. And so there's four main zones of activity. The first one is a zone of incompetence. What you are not good at, and you should probably delegate to those who can. So things that you know you're just not going to be good at, like I know I am definitely not good at math, I'm gonna delegate that to someone else. Zone of competence is what you can do, but others can do just as well. You know, maybe it's something very basic that, you know, if you're really good at washing dishes, other people can be really good at washing dishes too. That's a zone of competence. Then you have your zone of excellence, which is where a lot of people spend their time. And it's what you do extremely well. It's comfortable to you. And it's where everybody wants you to stay. They believe it is your zone of awesomeness and they want you to stay there because it's comfortable for them and it's really comfortable for you because you have the ability to do what you need to do you don't have to work really hard it just comes naturally to you but what he wants to see you do is get into the comfortability and the amazingness of the zone of genius and this is where the activities that you do are uniquely related to you your own special gifts and talents. And that's what he really wants you to make the leap into. So in chapter two, he dismantles the foundation of that problem by saying that you have to get rid of the personal dramas and things that you do to self-sabotage. And if you really think about the moments when you were experiencing a lot of success in your life, did you have anything occurring that kind of made you suddenly not do so well, or maybe you started to experience success and then suddenly you did something to fuck it all up because he's saying that's kind of our brain going, whoa, 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 I've never been at this level of success. We've got to tone it down a little bit. So there are four potential unconscious hidden barriers that you may have that are based on fear and a false belief. And so once you discover them, you've got to eradicate them. Now, some of you might say, well, yeah, I know my hidden barriers, but I don't know how to overcome them. And one thing I think is important to note when you are reading this book is he does not get into too much of the psychology or the ways that you can overcome these particular barriers. He just kind of mentions like taking deep breaths and 
recognizing your traumas and knowing that once you recognize it, that it's going to go away. But that's where I think that therapy and friendship with others and talking about it is really going to have the biggest impact because in the book, he talks about identifying it, which is great, but we need to know how to overcome it. And I do think that is a fault of not necessarily a fault of the book, but a way that it could have been improved in my opinion. So the hidden barriers are number one, that you feel fundamentally flawed, that you are not good enough and that you might fail. And that one really hit home because I think a lot of women experience imposter syndrome and they feel like they're not good enough and that they're never going to be good enough. And this could be because other people in their family are really successful. Like maybe they've always been the underdog in the family and there's been somebody that's kind of outshining and they can't also shine because that other person is. It could also be that maybe you were raised in a household where you were pushed to the bottom and not seen as a worthy person. So you haven't had somebody in your life to kind of build that confidence up. up. The next one is disloyalty and abandonment. You know, this is a huge one for those of us who have different things in our lives that has, have made us feel that we've been abandoned or that we're not receiving the love that we deserve. Number three, Believing that more success brings a bigger bur burden. And this one's really interesting because some people think that maybe the more successful they are, the more work that it's going to take or the more things that they're going to have to do to continue that level of success, which sometimes keeps people in the comfortable zone. And that happens a lot. People sometimes get into this feeling of, well, I know that if I went into that career, it's something I really want to do, but oh, fuck, it's going to take years of schooling. And then I'm going to, you know, be so successful that I'm going to have no time for my family. And then, oh, I'm just going to have so much money. I don't know what to do with. And they just keep creating these false beliefs instead of taking the time to really get into their zone of genius. And the last one is the crime of outshining, which I talked about earlier. So he says that you need to ask yourself the following questions to determine what your hidden barriers to your upper limit might be. Number one, I cannot expand my full potential because blank. I cannot enjoy abundant love and relationship harmony because blank. Number three, I cannot extend to my expand to my full wealth potential because blank. And this is where a lot of journaling, a lot of talking with yourself, with other people is really going to help you identify these hidden barriers and be able to help you understand it. And I think that's where, you know, some people are, including myself, like I can recognize the barriers that I might have, but then I have them in my hands and I say, great, now what the hell do I do with these? You know, <laughs> like these are my traumas. What, what can I do with these? And I think that's where therapy, talking with others and helping yourself feel that positive love is going to help you break that upper limit. Now, it's easy for some people to spot where the problem is coming from, and some people are able to spot it and then get better, whereas other ones might need a little bit more assistance. And I think that's where the therapy part comes in. So in chapter three, he gets really specific of how to spot the upper limit problem in your daily life. So when you're upper limiting, as he calls it, you're doing something that is crimping that flow of positive energy. 
And there's different ways that we do this. And when he talked about the different ways that we upper limit ourselves, I thought, oh, fuck, I really do a lot of these. So maybe you'll resonate with some of these as well. So one of them is worrying. Hmm. This one really got to me because I have anxiety and worry so much about everything. And it was such an aha moment for him to talk about this section because he said, when you worry about things going wrong in some way, it's unnecessary unless you're taking positive action in the right direction. And I thought, you know, what an interesting concept, because if you are worrying about something and you're not doing anything about it, then what the fuck is the point, right? Like if you know that you are so consciously worrying about something, but you're not doing anything about it, or there's nothing you can do, then you have to let it go. You have to let it go because, you know, they're just worry thoughts that they're just stopping the flow of positive energy. And it is okay. The universe is not going to collapse if you stop worrying because he uses the example of how his kid was away at camp and he was so worried about it. And he realized it's because, you know, his child had never been to camp or something. And he was just kind of scared of what could happen, but it wasn't doing anything. He was just taking his daily life and stressing about something that he literally at that moment in time could do nothing about. And then when his child came back from camp, they had a great time and all was good. And he says, okay, awesome. Why did I do all that worrying? So if you are worried about something and you're not doing anything to make it go away or making any positive changes, then you just have to let it go. There's no reason to worry. Easier said than done, I do understand, but that's just something to keep in mind. So he gave some steps to stop yourself from worrying. One is that you notice the worry thoughts. And then number two, let go of them. I'm like, oh, sounds fucking easy. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> Remember that when you are worried about what you're worried about may not be related to the actual thought. For example, if you worry about money, it might be related to feeling guilt about your abundance compared to what others have. Or if you're feeling a certain fear of something, think about why you might be fearful of that. So they're going to keep coming into your mind, but as you let go of those worry thoughts, they will become less and less frequent. Also ask yourself what positive new thing might be trying to come into your life. Like maybe there is something that is trying to come into your life that you are blocking because of the whole upper limit problem. So take a deep breath and say, okay, what could serve me better right now? Feel it deeply within your body for as long as you can. And then feel gratitude for all that you have and all that you are currently receiving. And then once you let it go, that's when the positiveness will come through. So another thing that we are upper limiting ourselves with is criticism and blame. Oh, and this has nothing to do with the thing that we are criticizing. It is an addiction that we struggle to let go of. And I was like, an addiction? What does he mean? But people become obsessed with criticizing themselves and others. And when he said, oh, you don't think you're addicted? Try not complaining for a full day about nothing. 
And I have tried that before. And it is incredible how short of a time goes by before you start complaining. And it could be anything like, oh, we're out of milk or, oh my goodness, look at the traffic or, wow, this doesn't fit right. You know, I have that problem a couple of times, but when you think of that, it's like, holy shit, I am really complaining about different things that I really don't need to be complaining about. And that is an upper limit problem. How can you have the positive energy come into you if you're constantly feeling that negative energy? So just like worrying, criticism is only useful if it's going to be used to produce a useful result. So become aware of your critical thoughts and spoken words and then separate them into two piles. One you're going to do something with and the other that you need to just get the hell out of your life. Don't worry about criticism and blame if you're not going to do something about it. Another hidden barrier to your upper limit is deflecting. Now, a lot of people do that when they worry that they might be seen as overly confident or not humble. They might be too vain. And I'll be honest, if somebody gives you a compliment and you want to take it and say thank you and feel good about it and tell them that, yeah, you're absolutely right, that isn't a perfect response. Because if somebody is going to give you a compliment, they really do feel that about you. And I think it's great to be humble. It's great to recognize that you have some things about you. You are not going to overshine yourself unless you're doing it because you want to be better than someone else. I believe that people really need to spend time being proud of themselves and all that they accomplish because we work so hard sometimes and then we don't take the accolades. So if somebody gives you a positive compliment or comment to you, do not deflect it. Let it come in. And even if you don't agree, say thank you to acknowledge that energy because you know what's going to happen after you start to acknowledge it over and over again? It's just going to experience even more abundance. By extending your ability to feel positive feelings, you expand your tolerance for things going well in your life. The last one is squabbling. The first thing to do is to figure out why arguments occur and then understand that both parties may not agree that it's their fault. Now, this one was a little bit difficult to understand because he talks about how each person is 100% responsible for resolving the argument. And he said that they both need to, both parties need to come to the table and understand that they are 100% responsible for what is being argued about. And I think that it's fantastic if both parties understand that, but oftentimes that's what the argument occurred from because both people think that they are right and both people think that what they have to say is more valuable than what the other says. And so it's really difficult to have that perspective. However, I think it's important to understand that when you are in a conversation or an argument with someone, both of you are 100% responsible for resolving whatever the argument is about, and both of you are most likely 100% right. So he talks about the three Ps, which are punishment, punishing yourself after you experience a big win, prevention, and protection. And this is where your body prevents you from doing something you don't want to do and thus protects you from embarrassment or shame. So the next time that you're experiencing pain of some sort, dig a little deeper and figure out if it's an upper limit problem 
or if it's really something else, because he believes that the pain that we're experiencing can actually be from an upper limit problem, which I thought was a very interesting concept. Now, he does say that if you want to break through your upper limit, one thing that's really important is to have absolute integrity. No lying, no breaking agreements, no withholding truths, because all of it is taking you away from your upper limit. And to be in integrity means to be whole and complete. So don't think of it from a moral perspective. Think about it from a physics perspective. For example, if you wish to share your thoughts with someone in a polite way, you keep the flow of communication going by doing so. So if you want to share what you're thinking or how you're experiencing something, just be honest. Now, to find your integrity breach or something that you know might need to be corrected, the first place to look is in the subtle ways that you lie to yourself in order to conceal feelings that we don't want to accept consciously. So if you have some emotion within you that you don't know how to manage, you seal that emotion away and then start managing other people's versions of it. And so that one was a really almost confusing concept that you really have to kind of sit with to really figure out what he's talking about here. But what he says is that when you are living in integrity, you are doing things that you know are whole and complete to your life. So when you experience a conflict, look within yourself and determine what it really is that you're upset about. Is it really about the conflict with that particular person? Are you projecting your feelings against other people because you feel that same emotion? So for example, if you are feeling a certain fear about someone else and the relationship, is that because you are also experiencing that fear? in the relationship. So it's very, very, very important to communicate about the deeper feelings in a relationship whenever possible. So in order to discover your wholeness and your completeness and your whole identity and what your upper limit story is with integrity, find where your integrity breaches are. And there's certain questions that he says that you can ask yourself to figure out where your integrity breaches might be. Number one, where do you feel out of integrity with yourself? Number two, what is keeping you from feeling complete and whole? Number three, what important feelings am I not letting into my awareness? Four, where in my life am I not telling the full truth? Number five, where in my life have I not kept my promises? Number six, in my relationship with blank, insert whoever you are in a relationship with, whether it's friend or romantic, what do I need to say or do to feel complete and whole? So this is going to help you identify why you may not be living in your zone of genius. Then you're going to determine how to lose your fascination with living in that story. Remember, do not blame yourself for identifying your upper limit behaviors. You are not perfect and that is absolutely okay because the better your attitude and feeling towards them, the easier they are going to be to transform and overcome. So you have to have a sense of wonder and excitement over what you're discovering about yourself. So some daily steps to take to live in your zone of genius is number one, be in wonder about your upper limit. 
commit to discovering what your upper limit is and eradicating it. You know, like don't view it as criticism, view it as enjoyment. Number two, start making a list of your upper limit behaviors. Like if you're noticing like, hey, that's an upper limit behavior, write it down. Because then when you are experiencing that particular behavior or thought process, you'll realize, oh, shit, that's an upper limit problem. I need to stop doing that. Or I, that's something I want to overcome. Now he says, allow yourself to feel more abundance, love, and success throughout your mind and body, and then fully accept your new life and new story. So now we're going to get into how you start to overcome that. Once you've discovered your upper limits, now we're going to build a home in your new zone of genius. So in order to do that, you have to say, all right, number one, what is my genius? Number two, how can I bring forth my genius in ways that serve others and myself at the same time? So now in this part, we are really getting into, okay, what is my zone of genius? I've got my upper limit. I've figured that out. I'm able to break through those barriers. Now, how do I get into that zone of genius? Now there's going to be fears. You're going to feel like you fail. You're going to feel like you're doing things wrong. It's okay. You are going to fail. You are going to fuck up. Everybody does, but it's up to you to say, all right, what can I do with this information? Let me move past. So one thing that is important to know about your zone of genius, and some of you may be very close to getting there, and some of you may need to take a little bit of work to get there, is that you must commit right now to saying, I commit to living in my zone of genius now and forever. So when you do that, when you decide I am done living in the past, I'm going to be fully present, and I'm going to accept my zone of genius, ask yourself, what do I love most to do? What lights your soul on fire? What work do you do that doesn't feel like work that you just enjoy so much? A lot of times, some people say to go back to when you were a kid and the activities that you really enjoyed, because most likely those are going to be things that you get lit up about and will most likely be related to your zone of genius. In your work, what produces the highest ratio of abundance and satisfaction to amount of time spent? Because obviously, whatever you enjoy doing, spend time every day doing what gives you the highest payoff. Make a note of what you're spending your time doing and see if it aligns with what you really value. So for example, if you are a person who really values relationships and friendships and connections with others, Take a look at your day and seeing if you are really aligned with that perspective. Are you living the lifestyle of someone who shows that they value relationships? When you shine bright in your zone of genius and doing what you love most to do, you're going to inspire others to do the same. And this relates to the next one is what is your unique ability? And some people might be like, I have no idea what I do well that might not be different from someone else. I don't know what my unique ability is. But here's the thing. When you are trying to figure out the essence of who you really are, you want to figure out what you do amazingly. And it may match what somebody else does, but that's okay. It's still your unique ability. Just because someone else has a variation of that ability doesn't mean that yours isn't unique. 
So you can ask yourself, well, I'm best when I'm blank. And then zoom in even closer. Well, when I'm at my best, the exact thing I'm doing is blank. And then zoom in even deeper and say, well, when I'm doing that, what I really love is, and really get to that, the nitty gritty of what you love to do, because you will learn that maybe you're not in alignment with what you should be doing. And a lot of people might say, well, yeah, but my passion is writing and I'm not, I'm not going to be able to become a famous writer. And I don't know, that just takes a lot of work and I have to take this, just stop and try it. What's the harm in giving your all in to what you enjoy doing? If it means that you're going to live in your zone of genius and doing what you're most passionate about. So once you feel that sense of wonder, you are going to know that you've arrived at your unique ability. And I can assure you, once you start finding it, you are going to make the time to, that wasn't there before doing what you love. So chapter five, living in your zone of genius. This is where you start to use the ultimate success mantra, which he gives an example of one that you can use and you can absolutely use this if it works for you. I recommend finding the success mantra that really resonates with you and makes you feel passionate and excited. He says, a mantra is something that you need to focus on quite often and you can use multiple, but he recommends one. I think that if something is resonating with you on a different day or you know, you wake up and wanna experience a new emotion of how to take on the day, do the mantra that feels most successful to you. But he recommends the following. I expand in abundance, <laughs> abundance. I expand in abundance, success, and love every day as I inspire those around me to do the same. Now, when you say this mantra, you can write this on your bathroom mirror. You can put it on post-it notes around your house. You can put it in your car somewhere. He definitely recommends meditating and thinking of this mantra because when you say this mantra over and over again, it is going to change your life in his perspective. Now, this mantra may work for him, may not work for you, but he doesn't agree with that. He says it's definitely going to work for you. So if you go in there with that mindset that it will work, that's going to give you the best consequence of using it. You're going to get the best results because you know you are using something positively and really believing it to be true. So repeat it as much as you can when you're meditating, put it all around your house, make sure that you are constantly repeating it. He also says, constantly recommit to your goal and be consistent with what you want. Because if you are living in your zone of genius, you are going to really experience pure bliss. Now, there's some people that might think like, oh yeah, you make it sound so easy. But to some people, especially those who are living in that mindset, it is easy because they've stopped the hard work and realized that they are doing what they can to live in this higher vibration. So if you are one to think that you don't have a lot of time or that you are running out of time or you feel like there's not enough time, chapter six is right up your alley. And it's called living in Einstein time. And you have to embrace the following truth. You're where time comes from. You are where time comes from. Now, he believes that when you fully believe this idea, 
You're going to get more done in less time. You're going to create more time for creative thinking. You're going to discover your unique abilities and you're going to feel good. So you have to release that Newtonian belief that time is limited and that we don't have enough of it because we have a sense of what time is. So it's all related to the activity that you're engaging in. So you might feel like you're sitting in a really boring lecture and you're like, oh my gosh, it's taking forever. And you can feel like the time is going really slow, but then you're in a really fantastic experience learning so much. And you might think like, wow, the time is really going by so fast because I'm loving what I'm learning or I'm loving what I'm doing. And so it could be the same amount of time, but it's all what's up here that changes your perspective. So how you perceive time is dependent upon what you are doing. So you have to remove whatever persona of time that you have, you know, whatever you think about time, you have to remember that you are the ultimate controller of the time. So you have to make the adjustment in your thinking to know that you are the source and claim time to release its claim on you. So you can ask yourself, like, what am I not taking full ownership of in my life? Or what am I trying to disown? Or what should I take ownership of? So do whatever it takes to believe that you are the source of time. And once you do that, you'll also realize that you need to stop complaining about it because you are not a victim of time. You are not the victim of time. So you've got to stop saying, I don't have time to do that right now because you probably do. You just might not want to do the activity. So if you really don't have time, just be honest and explain the reason you don't have time or think, do I actually have time to do this? Or do I just not want to spend time doing that particular activity? Now, he talks about how he kind of likes that chaos of multiple things going on because that's when he gets his true creativity. And I think that's also true for me. Like, I really like that upbeat, like, oh my gosh, I got so many things going on. Ah! And I'm just getting really excited. And so, you know, he says that his real source of energetic love of time comes from that slightly chaotic inner feeling of having a bunch of interesting things to do. I just thought that was really intriguing because I felt like, okay, well, if I need to have more time, but when I'm having fun, time seems to go by quicker. How do I change my mindset for time to go slower? So in that one, there might be some disagreements with what he's saying, but ultimately you are the source of time. In the last chapter, he says, solving the relationship problem. And this is where you start to think of the people in your life who maybe are just as successful than you, or they're above you or below you, but the people closest to you, you want to think about how you are interacting with them to know that if both of you are understanding your upper limit problem, you're going to be able to handle more positive energy. But when you limit the positive energy, you might stop that positivity flow by starting arguments or withholding important communications or trying to dominate or be dominated. So he says, in a relationship, you have to understand your own upper limits and help them see theirs as well if they're willing to have you do that and vice versa. So he recommends to spend time with yourself and charge that battery of yours. Realize that you are just as important as the relationships in your life. 
Make a priority to speak your truth, especially with your emotions, and encourage your partner to also feel emotions because it's important to recognize that everybody has feelings and need to be expressed. Use lots of non-sexual touch and sexual as well, but he recommends you know lots of hugs, lots of pats on the shoulders, things to make your partner or your friends know that you care about them. Ground yourself after you've experienced something high level to recognize, okay, that was a lot to take in. Let me get back to my, you know, to my relaxation time and spend that time with yourself to recharge your batteries. And then also find friends that you can help recognize their upper limit. They recognize yours and keep you in that zone of genius. So he says to be open with the attitude of being open to learning in every moment of your relationships. Every interaction contains within it the possibility of deep connection with our beloved, with ourselves, and with the cosmos. So when you catch yourself experiencing an upper limit problem, relax, take a deep breath, and open yourself up for more love, success, and abundance. He closes on this beautiful quote on page 201. Here is my wish for you. May your every day be filled with much practical magic and many everyday miracles. May you transcend each and every one of your upper limits. And long may you glide the high currents of love, abundance, and creative contribution. So I hope you've enjoyed this summary of The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. And I will see you for the next session. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Living Your Most Badass Life podcast. Please be sure to leave a review, learn more about our community at badassbookbesties.com, follow me on Facebook at the Bookaholic Besties podcast, and on Instagram at badassbookbestie. If you know someone amazing that you'd like for me to interview or have any badass ideas, I'd love to hear it. Send me a DM or email me at mostbadasslifepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, besties, always keep your bookshelves and beer glass full.